everyone, and welcome to episode 203 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. It's Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and uh, we're casting a little bit early this week. We normally cast on Monday, uh, and you'll still be hearing this on Monday, but with the holiday season, we decided to uh, get together a little bit earlier this week and record the episode, and our plan for today uh, is pretty simple, but before we get to that... Got to introduce the co-host. Today we have Richard, the owner of MTG Goldfish. How's it going today, Richard? What's up, Seth? Uh, not much. I'm actually pretty excited. The short week is weird for the podcast, but we actually have a lot of stuff to talk about. And also joining us to talk about all this sweet stuff is Krim. What's up, Krim? Hey, how you doing, Seth? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm super hyped. So today we have a ton of Ravnica Legion stuff. We've been slowly getting like two cards a day as we go through the mechanics. So we're going to talk about all the rest of the Ravnica Legion stuff that is new. Uh, some super sweet cards. We also want to talk about uh, a arena a tournament that went on this week. I played in it. Krim was casting it. So <laughs> we have some thoughts on that. And then, of course, we will also hit up your fish mail at the end. So that's the plan for today. Happy holidays, everyone. Uh, before we jump into it, a quick reminder that the sponsor of our show today is SpikesAcademy.com, the world's first Magic the Gathering e-learning academy. And they have some really sweet online courses from great players like PVDDR, also Reduke doing a modern course. And uh, you can join the academy over at SpikesAcademy.com even get 10% off with the coupon code GOLDFISH. And to learn more, check out Spikes underscore Academy on Twitter. So thank you to them for their support. And with that out of the way, let's get into the fun stuff. We have a ton of new cards to talk about. So Richard, why don't you guide us through some Ravnica Legion spoilers? All right. Like Seth said, it is Friday. We got every single new mechanic, I guess, for each of the guilds. So last podcast, we talked about... I've already forgotten. The Rakdos. Rakdos. Yep. Spectacle. And today we're going to go through the rest of the guilds and also there's a returning mechanic. So uh, we talked about Orzov a lot before Ravnica Allegiance uh, because we want aristocrats. Apparently everyone wants aristocrats. <laughs> and the new mechanic is Afterlife. And we have a rare Tithe Taker. It's one in a white. Two converted mana cost. Two one human soldier. During your turn, spells your opponent's cast cost one more to cast, and abilities your opponent's uh, activate cost one more to activate unless their mana abilities. After life one, when this creature dies, create a 1-1 one, one white and black spirit creature token with flying. So... I mean, uh, it's worth mentioning Afterlife, it will have different numbers, they said, and those numbers will refer to how many 1-1 spirits you make. There was some speculation that it might make bigger spirits, I saw on social media, but it's the number of spirits. So you could have Afterlife 2 when the creature dies, you get two spirits, or so on and so forth. Uh, I think the mechanic, it does work well for aristocrats. We just, we really need sack outlets, that's the thing that's missing, but it is a way you can double up your sacrifice triggers, so I'm really hoping that's the direction that this is heading. Uh, as far as non-aristocrats applications, I mean, it's fine value. Like, your creature dies, you get another creature. We've seen, like, uh, Doom Traveler be pretty playable. There's also some cards in our current standard. There's, like, a vampire that's very similar to this, except it makes a 1-1 lifelink token that's a Martyr of Dusk, I think it is. It's, yep. like, somewhat played in vampire decks. So, I don't know. I don't think this card is particularly broken, but it seems like it could be a good synergy mechanic if we get the right uh, pieces to take advantage of like doubling up your creatures like that no comment Krim. you're, you're in <laughs> shock and awe of this awesome 
card for modern humans. Yeah, there's so exactly. Much there's so much text on this thing. It's a two mana two one. It taxes your opponent, only your opponent, not you. And when it dies, you get like a spirit token to come in through the air. I actually think this card is really good. And I'm surprised Seth didn't harp on it more. Like what? what? What is the what does the taxing ability do? That's what like so in standard, yes, you're like settle the wreckage costs one more mana, which is an upside. I have no idea what activated abilities people are activating during their opponent's turn in standard. I guess you can't like end of turn search for his counter or something. There's some like fringe value, but I'm just not exactly sure other than like making your opponents settle the wreckage be a little bit more expensive. What like is this actually? Like an entire in turn <laughs> difference to settle the wreckage. Uh yep. speaking of settle the wreckage, it may you have to play settle the wreckage because destroy effects you know you, you get the token right so you want to exile or they're gonna reprint what, what's the dragon that comes in and like pings all the one ones thunder maw like oh. there's gonna there's gonna you're gonna need something to clean up all these spirit tokens that are lingering around so to speak <laughs> so i don't know what, what is a tax in modern uh, the fact that it's human kind of scares me Krim, do you have any thoughts that you could jam this in yeah, like that's mostly what I was thinking about when I when I saw that the creature type was human, but the issue was I don't know what you're cutting out of the humans deck for this, right? I mean, there's we tried with Militia Bugler and and that didn't stay around for too long. So I although the taxing is great and the fact that it leaves back a 1/1 spirit, I think that's pretty sweet. Uh I I don't I don't know what you cut for this deck or for this card. Uh, we have yeah. too many good humans that when yeah. another good human comes along, we cannot fit it in our deck. <laughs> that's I, kind I of was... that's kind of at the point we've hit though. We've had a we kind of hit a critical mass of so like at least so far of just like really good human cards. So I will say, oh, go ahead. Oh no 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 yeah. So it's just like what what do you cut to play this? is the thing. I, I think that's very true about five color humans. One thing that I will say, and that I'm kind of interested in, not just with Tide Taker, but also uh, Lavinia being printed in this set, is uh, one of the downsides of humans is because of the five color mana base, you pretty much have to play all creatures. So with Tide Taker and also Lavinia and pre-existing humans like Meddling Mage, Champion of Parish, uh, Thalia, Thalia's Lieutenant, I'm wondering if you can make like a blue-white hate bear style of human deck that would actually give you the advantage like the disadvantage is you don't get all five colors but the advantage is you can actually cast non-human spells in your deck and play like more of a, a typical death and taxes style of strategy to take advantage of these cards so maybe it's not that tide taker and lavinia will show up in five color humans as much as maybe there's like a new build of humans that can pull some of the good aspects of the five color deck and use these new like hate bear style cards that we're getting i I mean all right on to oh, oh I, I was just gonna I, I was thinking more so like if we if if there were another archetype of humans like is it really worth it though <laughs> the hate bears the hate bears part of it like is that are, aren't you just slowing down the humans game plan that's just my concern <laughs> yeah, no, that's that is true. It probably would not be as fast. Like maybe the disruption could make up for it. I'm still not sure what Tide Taker actually does though. Like it has so much text, but I'm still not sure. I can't think of many specific decks or even cards where it's like, all right, this just absolutely shuts down the strategy with how it's actually worded. Right. I one step closer to Tithe Tribal. <laughs> we have Tithe Drinker too, right? So we have all it does it. make your mana manatize better too, because they gotta pay an extra yep. one so you can get them. Tithe Tribal. Yep. 
All right. We got Zagana Utopian Speaker. Two green and a blue. So four CMC. Legendary creature. Merfolk Wizard. Four four. When Zagana enters the battlefield, if you control another creature with a plus one plus one counter on it, draw a card. Four green and a blue. Adapt four. If this creature has no plus one plus one counters on it, put four plus one plus one counters on it. Each creature you control has plus one plus one counter. Where each creature with a plus one plus one counter has trample. So yeah, <laughs> initially <laughs> this is a lot of stuff going on here. This is monstrous. Like what is it's going on? It's a bad it monstrous. <laughs> I mean, it, it's basically monstrous. Uh, I think when I first saw adapt, I was pretty disappointed because they had told us there was going to be a returning mechanic in the set, and then I saw adapt, and I was like, oh, this is this is just basically monstrous and there's still going to be another returning mechanic. That's a, not a lot of new mechanics in this set. But then it turns out that Wizards actually counted Adapt as the returning mechanic because it's so similar to Monstrous. So I think it's fine. I mean, I'm fine with it. It doesn't really excite me. I don't remember thinking, man, Monstrous was so awesome. I really hope that that happens again. But it's, <laughs> it's a fine mechanic, I think. I was speculating Evolve. I, I thought maybe Evolve would come back for, for, for this. I thought that would have been pretty cool, but I don't know. This, this adaptability, Monstrous, at least we had something happen once you did it, right? Like, like this is just, you get counters and, and that's about it. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying that it's going to be a hundred percent like an unplayable, like, like, <laughs> an unplayable thing, but we'll find out because right now it just, kind of feels like here have some counters and it doesn't really do anything <laughs> but but you get trampled if you have <laughs> cool <laughs> it, it's gonna be it's gonna be plus one plus one counter synergy so i wonder if there'll be other mechanics or something to to play off these plus one plus one counters if all simic has is plus one plus one counters it's a little boring simic simic they have easy, duh. yeah why do you what do you guys think about this card from Merfolk? Like, Merfolk is a a tribe that it's pretty popular on Magic Arena because it's one of the intro decks, so it shows up a lot on there, but it's never really uh, caught on in, like, a tournament setting outside of Arena. Is Zagana... Does that make the Merfolk deck more playable, do you think? Or is it just kind of like, meh, whatever, like, maybe I'll play a copy because it's got fine stats or whatever? Ugh. I don't, I don't think Merfolk really needs this. It's, if, if this card had flash, I think that it would maybe that'd be pretty cool. Like just more text, I know. Uh, but, but yeah, like, right. I mean, most, most of the times, like when my Merfolk have like one, one counters on them, it's like, cool. They're a three, three or they're a two, two. And it's like, I don't think the trample is going to matter there. Um, but. I don't know. As as we said earlier, maybe there's something ridiculous that just disperses like a silly amount of one one counters. I like that Zagana can draw me a card potentially, um, but I don't know. I think this just kind of feels a little bit bulk rareish to me right now. Yeah, I don't know that it'll be. I, I people will jam this in their Merfolk deck, and if I know anything about Magic Arena, people love Merfolk, and this will go into those decks. Now, whether that's <laughs> a good idea <laughs> i don't know it doesn't really do anything it doesn't really pump your team and like crim said your merfolk are like small anyway like you don't need trample and i guess if you adapt zagana she becomes an 8-8 trample but like <laughs> good luck right like I, I don't think that's what you're trying to do with this so it's a weird card and it kind of sucks because as a commander she kind of sucks too so <laughs> eh. i 
And normally when you get these like bad legendaries, you're like, oh, as a commander, I could do this cool combo. And with Zgana, you're like, eh, I can't do anything. Would Flash it's- make it better? That'd be better. I don't know if it... Obviously, but yeah, more yeah. text. I mean, you could remove... I would basically think of it as a four-mana, four-four, draw a card, flash, and just remove the rest of the text on this card, right? <laughs> like, and would that be playable? I don't know. I don't think so. I, I don't like it. I, In defense of Adapt, which I think is, from what I've seen, the least popular mechanic, people have really been harsh on Adapt. There is a slight difference between Monstrous, which is, uh, in Monstrous, once you go Monstrous, you can never go Monstrous again even if you remove the counter somehow, like a creature, once it's monstrous, it's monstrous. With Adapt, if you can remove the counters from Zagana, you can adapt again. So that's what I'm hoping for, is the mechanic, maybe we get a lot of shenanigans where you can like remove counters for some sort of value or put them on other creatures and then adapt again. So I'm hoping that it's one of those cards that makes more sense once we see the rest of Ravnica Legion. Yeah. I mean, right now, I know that we're all a little harsh on it, but it... <laughs> does look very underwhelming right now but we'll we'll see though right because i could be wrong release of ravnica allegiances it's just the best mechanic anyone's ever seen people banned this before like i don't know teferi or something like that you're supposed to follow up that statement with something positive about adapt Grim. right now we seem really harsh about this but here let me I- let me uh, uh, I- pick on it some more <laughs> it's, I actually it's so you- underwhelming <laughs> I actually wasn't even talking about you guys. I saw, like, YouTube videos or, like, worst mechanic ever, rah, just, like, going off about an app, so <laughs> we're not as harsh as other people. All right, we got Gruul coming up. Gruul Spellbreaker, one red and a green, 3-3 three, three, creature ogre warrior, Riot. This creature enters a battlefield with your choice of a plus one plus one counter or haste. Trample, as long as it's your turn. You and Gruul Spellbreaker have hexproof. This card is so good. <laughs> yeah, the the just the rate on this card is insane. Yeah. Why do you have hexproof? <laughs> I mean, like no settle. Yeah. I mean, you know, settle the wreckage, right? Like, if your plan is to settle the wreckage, like joy. This thing's coming down. More things protecting Carnage Tyrant. <laughs> my favorite. <laughs> uh, I mean, I did I did a bit of, bit of research when this card was spoiled and. Even in this day and age, four fours for three without a drawback are still pretty rare. And when they do show up, they're usually pretty heavily played. And this is a four four for three that also has trample and also just has random hexproof upsides going on. So I think this card, uh, it's not, it doesn't do anything crazy, but it's just the numbers on it are really powerful. And we're in a format where you got Land and War Elves. So now you can play with the gruel mana that we're getting. You can play four of these, you can play four uh, Steel Leaf Champions, you can play a bunch of Llanowar Elves, and you're just going to be able to play really big things really quickly, and randomly not get blown out by probably the best sweeper in the format, depending on what we get in Ravnica Legions. Yeah, so- something's gotta something's gotta keep this card in check. I, I-, I don't want to lose to Carnage Tyrant for another year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, card's really good. Trample, it has Trample, so it's most likely always coming down with Haste. Unless you're losing, and then I guess it comes with a plus one, plus one counter, and you hope to block. But, yeah, it just has so many keywords, and red gets something really strong. Green green is has always gotten big creatures. We have Steel Leaf Champion, but now red is getting something big as well. I'm actually really scared of other creatures that will have this mechanic, too, because... 
uh, imagine just like random big things, which is kind of the cruel theme. And and if you're a control deck or even like a slower mid range deck, the fact that your opponent's creatures can randomly just ball lightning you, like half a, half of your opponent's gruel deck can just hit you with haste out of nowhere. That's a that's a pretty scary thing if you're playing a slower deck. So I, I'm definitely scared to be on the slower side of the equation against gruel. Yeah, I mean, I is it too late to like renounce <laughs> my allegiance to like? <laughs> Demir and join Gruel. Wow. <laughs> I'm not a bandwagoner, but I might be now. So so do you think there'll be a two mana, two, two riot? I hope not. Um, in Gruel. Jeez. It'd have to be pretty, pretty underwhelming. <laughs> I could, I could see that. I think I could. I mean, Watch Wolf, we get a lot, we actually have a reasonable number of three threes for two now. And a 2-2 haste isn't that insane? Yeah, I, I'm going to say that. Another one that I've seen speculation on is a 2-mana mana dork that's a 1-1 one, one that uh, has Riot as well, so that could also be a, a good option. That would be pretty Why cool. would you want haste on your mana dork? That's a 2-mana 1-1. One, one. <laughs> Why wouldn't you want haste on anything, Richard? <laughs> <laughs> I say that and I'm going to die. I'm going to be at one life stabilized. Gotcha. Someone's just going to haste in a mana dork and get me, and I'm like, oh, jeez. <laughs> That's why they put this on the What card. a way to go. What a way to lose. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last up, we have the Azorius Guild. We have Emergency Powers. It's yeah. a mythic rare. Five white and a blue. Instant. Each player shuffles their hand graveyard into their library, then draws seven cards. Exile Emergency Powers. Addendum. If you cast this spell during your main phase, you may put a permanent with converted mana cost seven or less from your hand onto the battlefield. Yes, Teferi. <laughs> we. <laughs> uh, I'm having a hard time figuring out exactly how good this card is. I think it's good. The problem that we've had with past cards like this, like Time Reversal, uh, in, in cards like this traditionally is that you dump all your mana into it and then your opponent also gets a new hand and gets to use all those cards first. But being an instant... It kind of fixes it in the same way that, like, Nexus of Fate is way more powerful than you would think for a 7-mana extra turn spell because you can cast it at the end of your opponent's turn. So the fact that you can just uh, leave up all your mana, cast this, draw a new hand at the end of your opponent's turn, untap and refuel is sweet, and then the addendum part... The mechanic is weird to me for a blue-white deck, encouraging people to, like, main phase their spells is, like, a weird tension when most blue-white decks want to leave up their mana as much as possible. But randomly putting a seven-mana thing into play is uh, pretty powerful. Like, if you have a Palaka Worm or something, it's a good way to make up for the downside of your opponent untapping with a handful of cards. I mean, Teferi untaps two mana, so... (laughs) (laughs) That's negate mana? How good do you... How good do you guys think this will be? Like, do you expect this to show up in in standard decks? I'm going to jam it for, like, (laughs) I mean, whether that means it's good, I'm dead. Like, much like how Richard brought up the thing with Merfolk and Zagana, I'm going to definitely try this in my deck, and it may not be good. But the thing is, it has Dovenbon on it. That's We're due for a good Dovenbon. The first one just, I really wanted Dovenbon to be good. We're due for a good one. The the last one was great. I really wanted it to be good, but it never ended up being as good as I hoped. Yep. (laughs) I forced that so hard. (laughs) That that, that card was, uh, I mean, it it, it existed. (laughs) It existed. It was a card. (laughs) It'll be interesting to see see what Emergency Powers does. I'm definitely excited to 
to try it. At first, I was really hyped for Thousand Year Storm, but apparently the way it's worded, you don't get to keep putting seven drops into play if you cast it with Thousand Year Storm. So that that made me slightly less hyped. That's all I wanted to do was like cast a bunch of spells and then cast this and then just put like every seven drop in my deck into play with addendum. But the darn the darn rules ruined it for me. <laughs> yeah. Darn. <laughs> I want to see what seven drops we get. If we get like a Karn type control y seven drops. No more drops, Karns, Richard. No really more Karns. Please. <laughs> Sevens. But like, Seven mana. But like you want emergency powers and then wrath the board or something. Like you, you want to clean up and make sure you don't die because you just spent all your time doing this. So dropping a permanent, it has to be a really good permanent if it's not a spell. So it'll be interesting to see what support cards we get with this. But I really love the flavor on this. It is so. Such an Azorius thing to do, right? Like, ha, huh, shuffle shuffle your hands and graveyards. Are we done? No, addendum. I get to drop the seven drop into play, right? Like, it's the perfect, like, rules lawyering Azorius thing to do. So I this is, like, the most flavorful of the mechanics, I think. I mean, I, I do I do really like addendum. And, like, even on cards uh, that we saw already, like uh, Sphinx's Insight. Yeah, so Sphinx's Insight... Two white and a blue. So four CMC instant. Draw two cards. Addendum. Gain two life. Do you do you really like this card? Kim? I want life gain. <laughs> I and I'll take like honestly, I played Radiant Fountain and I'm willing to bounce that Radiant Fountain back with Pearl Lake Ancient for two life. So <laughs> I've done way worse for two life. Uh I I don't know. I to me this feels like almost a strictly worse chemistry's insight. But yeah. It, it it is, but the life gain, I don't know. That might be good enough for me. <laughs> As I said, so, uh, I'm desperate. <laughs> Krim will do anything for two life. Yep. <laughs> uh, and you even have to main phase it, which is yep. that's that's a pretty big downside to gain two life. <laughs> uh, I mean maybe it'll be better than main I phase, think. Tap yourself out, gain two life, then get smashed by a ghoul spell. Yeah. Yep. I mean I'm not casting anything that on their turn anyway, so <laughs> Except hopefully it counters. All right. We have the return of split cards. So we have incubation incongruity. So incubation is a sorcery. It's a green and blue hybrid. Look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal a creature card from amongst them and put it into your hand. Put the rest of the cards in the bottom of your library or random order. And incongruity is one green and a blue instant exile target creature that creature's controller creates a 3-3 green frog lizard creature token okay so why can mono blue cast incubation like i i do not see anything it's not mono blue it's a hybrid simic man but you can play this in your is it drake's deck (laughs) like you can play your is it drake's deck and just dig for your drakes and your phoenixes and so like to me this card is seems like a big color pie violation like i think the card's fine the first half seems like it is a mono green card it's communed with nature it is exactly a mono green card incongruity is like an expensive pongify whatever that's fine i think this card is is really good specifically because mono blue decks usually can't do what this card allows them to do yeah i i think incubation's kind of absurd <laughs> like, like that is a great card yeah (sighs) so what would you play incubation in so drake's is a natural home because uh it fetches your drake and fuels your drake would you play this to dig for a control finisher like what what else would you do i think uh 
I don't think you play it to dig for a control finisher. Yeah. I think uh, spells matters type decks are the easiest one. I've seen some people talking about modern even with like Arclight Phoenix taking off there and those style of decks that triggers all your prowess stuff, takes a counter off thing in the ice. Uh, Merfolk people have mentioned or other like mono blue creature decks. You get to one mana dig for your lord or mono blue tempo. You get to dig for a tempestion or whatever. So I think you've got to be a specific style of like uh, blue X creature based deck, but in those decks, for one mana, it's hard to really go too wrong, especially if you have some spells, manner synergies. Yeah. Yeah. And why, why is this incubation? You're just fetching a creature. <laughs> incubation to me is like suspend or something, but you just fetched it out of your deck. That, that, that's because, uh, you know, you got you got to wait a turn to cast it, hopefully. <laughs> that one yeah, mana is just, this, it's just taxing. This one mana <laughs> is it's taxing on, t- on top of tight. Taker and everything else, you just can't do anything. (laughs) (laughs) All right, last card, last card. So those are all the mechanics, but we got one more Rakdos card, actually. Bedevil, black, black, red. So three CMC, instant. It's a rare. Destroy target artifact, creature, or planeswalker. This card's so good. Yeah, the the art on it is great. The, the, The card itself is great. I'm just happy to see that there's something that like almost every color is going to have something that kind of like interacts with planeswalkers. So that's cool. I'm super hyped to play Jund now in standard. Like I just, I'm dreaming of decks that play Assassin's Trophy, Bedevil and Veraska's Contempt. And then you just like Carnage Tyra and Veraska to kill people. And you could just kill everything so easily with those colors. I saw some people are like, eh, the mana cost. I don't know. We're casting Niv Mizzets. Like don't, don't give me the, <laughs> don't give me the, the double black and a red is going to be too much for you in our Niv Mizzet format. <laughs> Mono black casting Niv is it <laughs> <laughs> that's the world we live in i don't want to hear the bedevil is too challenging i think a more interesting question to me like this is obviously great for standard if you can cast it do you think there's any chance this can show up in modern like the flex we see some weird cards show up that can incidentally kill artifacts like a braid has kind of developed into a somewhat sideboard staple because you can kill an artifact or you can kill a creature does having artifact attached to this along with creature or planeswalker does that do enough that it becomes in consideration for like grixis control sideboards or rakdos control sideboards in modern well uh, i mean anytime a new card comes out you know <laughs> dredge has got a new toy right so <laughs> i don't know i mean this this could be played i mean to destroy like graph diggers cages and stuff like that and creatures and planeswalkers i don't know if if those decks like dredge and all that care enough to slow themselves down for this um uh other than that i mean i don't like jund jund already kind of has stuff that can already deal with like planeswalkers creatures and artifacts kind of easier like like a little this there's a lot cheaper things you could be doing and black black red is problematic in say a deck like John. Like you don't want to be shocking. Like you know, it's it's as if this card comes with lose two life, right? Because of these mana costs. But you already have abrupt decay. You have dreadbore. You have Coligan's command. You have maelstrom pulse. Like you usually have your bases covered. Like people don't play heroes downfall in Jund. So I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe you you would put it in for some spice, but I I don't. I don't think it's like that important. Yeah. yeah, there's also Assassin's Trophy still, right? If you really want, correct. 
get rid of stuff. The, yeah, there, think, there is like Mardu Pyromancer and stuff like that, but they they play Dreadbore, and I think they're happy with Dreadbore because it costs two mana. Yeah, um, I guess that's true. Maybe maybe it's not quite good enough. I think if it is good enough, it's going to be for a non-Jun deck. You're, I think you're right that with Maelstrom Pulse and Assassin's Trophy, you probably don't need this, but maybe if you don't have access to green mana for those cards, there's some argument, but it might, it might just be one too many mana because Hero's Downfall, it hasn't really done much, although... It's uh, in blue-black. Yeah, that's true. I guess Blue Black's just desperate to, yeah. <laughs> to be able yeah. to kill anything. Something. <laughs> <laughs> Don't talk about Demir like that. <laughs> uh, so is that uh, is that the end of our spoiler discussion? Any other thoughts on our, our spoiler cards before we move on? So what do you guys think of our host of new mechanics? Maybe favorite to least favorite. Okay. Uh, favorite... I'm going to go uh, Addendum, number one, followed by Afterlife, number two, Spectacle, three, Riot, four, and Adapt, five, with uh, a slight Addendum that I think Riot is actually a really powerful <laughs> mechanic. I just, it's not my style of mechanic, and I know I'm going to lose to it a lot. So if you're just ranking them by how good they are, Riot's probably uh, maybe number two on the list. Uh, I would go with, <laughs> as I told you, may or may not hop on the girl train here but i'm gonna have to go riot then it's addendum and then it's afterlife and then and then it's uh spe- spectacle and then it's adapt yeah i think i agree with Krim. I, I put riot uh, as the number one mechanic although i like addendum from a flavor perspective i, I feel like addendum is one of those things that we're not going to end up doing but maybe Teferi will save this all <laughs> because you get to, you get free mana anyway. You might as well do it during your main phase, right? Like, I mean, if you look at Teferi decks, Teferi is just so good that you could play like 56 draft cards and, <laughs> and, and it's fine. <laughs> uh, well, I'm definitely hyped for the set. I think it's going to be fun and uh, overall the power level looks high and that's what I was hoping for because I think the power level of Guilds of Ravnica was fairly high, and I really wanted the rest of the guilds to be similarly powerful so they would actually show up in standard. And while we only have a handful of cards, like the early returns of like Gruel Spellbreaker, the Rakdos Removal Spell, but Devil, uh, some of the powerful commons and uncommons, Fire Wheeler and Girl Spiral, uh, Mortify, like I, I think that we're going to get another pretty powerful set, and we're going to see these guilds show up in standard too. But, but Seth, you don't like Aeromonculus? Like that card. <laughs> The art is great. <laughs> but so, some, yeah, someone said it. It looks like a flying butthole, and now I cannot unsee that. <laughs> this is a family-friendly podcast. Twitter set. ruined it's, it for me. <laughs> it's a homunculus. They only have one eye. They can't help it. Seth, uh, I can't unsee it now. So now you tarnished my favorite reveal. Seth, Seth, Seth has been banned from the Seth Guild for life. Spread the word. He is no longer welcome on Ravnica. Jeez, Seth. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If it's got to be ruined for me, it might as well be ruined for you too as well. And and also everyone who listens to the podcast. Apparently, sorry about that, everyone. Uh, all right, let's 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 move on from Ravnica Allegiance and uh, to topic number two, which is. There's a big Twitch tournament. Uh, our first, I believe, big Twitch arena tournament hosted by Twitch Rivals. 
I played in it. Krim was casting it, which was pretty sweet. So we want to talk a little bit about that, how the tournament went, uh, some this and that arena stuff. Before we get into it, I got to ask you, Krim, this was your first time doing coverage. Did you enjoy it? What did you think of it? Fill us in on your coverage experience. It was... I never knew I loved casting as much as I as I did. It was so much fun. Uh, I was able to be uh, like uh, like commentating alongside Matthias Hunt, and that's admirable. Uh, two just very very good casters. So I like at the same time like I felt like I learned a lot being around them, just talking to them, picking their brains on how to cast. Uh, this like because I've never done any like events like 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 casting like seriously big events like this right so uh for me i just learned a lot and i had a blast and i think i think the (laughs) the best thing about casting is like i didn't know how much like power a caster has over an event and on top of that the the fact that it, it was like it was cool to be a part of magic and esports history in a way because this is our first big e-sporty kind of like high production like event and stuff like that uh i got to like we had a crate like we had a crew there was a lot of like there was like it felt like i was on set for a real movie and i I don't know it was just it, it was like watching your favorite game i've said it before but like it's like watching your favorite like you know this thing that you loved like just kind of like become like take its first step into the esports arena it's like watching your kid go off to college you know what i mean like this this was big for me i don't know it was cool seeing like magic go into esports and i and i know i hate using the term esports as as much as i probably just have in the last 30 seconds but you know esports over time it was I I got to see some of the coverage so I played in the tournament ended up uh, technically three and three but there were like two different buys because of some weirdness so kind of finished in the middle of the pack but then I got to tune into some of the coverage and I was really impressed with uh, how you did on coverage but coverage in general like uh, compared to what I'm used to watching uh, when I turn on a magic tournament and this is no offense to anyone who does uh, magic coverage but I was just impressed with how professional and esportsy uh the actual coverage look the set looked the entire thing just it felt like it kind of stepped up magic coverage significantly and i think part of that is arena like i still think yeah. uh, cedric phillips and patrick sullivan are like the best casting team in magic and my opinion on that hasn't changed even though i think you did a wonderful job that but having Seth. it on having kidding. it on <laughs> arena it was very easy to like follow along and see what was happening and uh so i think that was a big reason why the coverage look so good is arena it's better for coverage than paper magic yeah like i mean newer players don't have to like kind of like like you know jam their face on their monitors to you know like kind of see what's going on right uh i i thought I, I thought it was very very well done as i told you the production was insane on it it was just absolutely a blast so uh since we can't just be all positive about something uh <laughs> I do have to mention, uh, mention a, a couple of pieces of constructive criticism. Uh, is, and I think this is partly, remember, this is the first tournament. It came together surprisingly quickly from when we heard about it to when it was actually going. And really, I think Arena is not quite to the place where it's really ready to hold these events yet. Uh, not in a gameplay sense. The gameplay was fine, but there was a lot of 
weirdness with actually <laughs> making the tournament work because like we're playing in there's only best of one modes to challenge so we had to restart multiple games to get the right person to go first the record was 12 with our, oh man i thought i had four one game and i thought that was bad 12 is 12 is absurd that's a bad die rolling oh my goodness and so we had that being a little bit clunky we had um some challenges with just like connecting you had to like find your opponent in various chats and get their id number to actually start the match and then amazingly the tournament uh, and i didn't actually see this part but the tournament ended with a a deck reg game loss somehow in digital <laughs> form which is yep. almost almost amazing to me that that's a possibility but uh, because the deck list and i ran into this while i was playing i would go to sideboarding but sideboarding is just the arena deck builder so i'd click on a card thinking i was like putting it from my main deck to my sideboard but it was actually just putting it back into my collection and taking it out of the deck altogether yep. so uh, there was some clunkiness there with deck lists not being locked in in the same way it would be as if there was an actual tournament set up on arena so all this to say it was awesome and i and i really hope wizards does more of this and twitch rivals does more of it but i also hope wizards finds a way to put some actual like tournament software into arena because it would make events like this so much smoother so much better for the viewers so much better for the players and the tos and i'm sure the casters as well so i'm really hoping they embrace that and and put that into arena in the near future I mean, the spectator mode would be uh, awesome to have. And once again, best of three, because as you know, that that can happen, you know, when you're when you're like the the whole deck uh, deck list error, um, you know, when you're moving cards back and forth consistently to like make it so that you can sideboard uh, it, it can randomly cause problems. Luckily, though. The thing that ended up happening, the, the person, it was just a deck list error. We, we, we ended up ruling it as if it were the, like that, at, at, like at a GP or something like that. Cause. Yeah, I think you guys handled it really well for a unfortunate situation. It's just unfortunate that's even possible in digital form. You would think that, like, if we had actual tournament software built into the client, uh, that wouldn't even be a possibility. Your deck list would be your deck list. You couldn't change it if you wanted to. Yeah. So, so I think that would be something that Arena could improve in the, fir- uh, in the future. So, but I think you guys handled it really well for a unfortunate situation. I, th- I was talking to, uh, Frodan, the, <laughs> person helping uh put this whole event on with twitch and stuff uh and uh <laughs> he, he and i were talking about how how interesting it's going to be when you know arena's got everything smoothed out and ironed out and it's years from now and then we're going to look back and we're going to go back to the first one <laughs> the first one <laughs> and yeah. how we had to restart 12 times <laughs> to get the right <laughs> to get the right person on the play <laughs> and I mean, really, I, in some ways, I'm kind of glad that it happened because I think it's something wizards will take notice of. Like when, uh, you, that's just not stuff that you would even really think about too much until you actually have tournaments being played. So even though in some ways the tournament was probably slightly premature with just how arena is right now, hopefully this is uh, something that wizards like, all right, we don't want people restarting 12 times next time we have a tournament. So let's, you know, let's get best of three mode or whatever in challenges or whatnot. So. Yeah, it looks like the, the, yeah. I mean, uh, some people were already in the chat from the, the dev team and it's in the works. So, I mean, I'm excited, you know, in a good way. It, it, it kind of, it's like, all right, well, you know, before we like, before this goes into esports, you know, we really got to make sure that it's, it's ready. And so by doing this event, it kind of now makes it like, okay, well, we got to work on it now. It, it kind of expedites the, the process. 
Yeah, and I think it shows like what what aspects to work on, which you might not even see until you actually have a big tournament on Twitch. If you're just testing internally or playing random like events that you're watching people play, you're not going to see the same things as you would see in like a competitive tournament with a bunch of money on the line. So I think it was definitely it was an awesome event. It was really fun to play, and there were tons of great people. Uh, Caleb Dernward ended up winning it, so shout out to him for for being the first Magic yeah. Arena esports tournament winner, which is is pretty cool. That's something we'll look back on like you were saying i'm sure years in the future and think about this tournament and uh, and that stuff so uh really neat really cool event so numbers wise we were at grand prix level smallish grand prix level viewers and that's on a tuesday on the main channel right and that's on a random day with very little advertising and people split across the streamer channels as well correct right because you know people are just naturally following their favorite streamers and I don't know how long it took to organize, but we had like a week notice. It seemed like they were just like, oh, okay, let's do it. And then they just scrambled it all together. You didn't have to fly out to some random city, but not in a major city because that's too expensive. Actually, a suburb of that city and then stay in some, you know, janky <laughs> hotel and eat bad food the weekend <laughs> and play for eight million hours in a row. Like, it, it just... The future of esports is here. And I think it happened in spite of Magic Arena's infrastructure. So I'm hoping Hasbro sees these numbers and they're like, okay, it's time to actually invest, right? We're not just going to make a game that people are satisfied with. We're going to make a world-class game. We're going to add in all the infrastructure. Like, can you imagine if the Artifact dev team had made Arena? Like, we would have had built-in tournament support from the get-go, right? You don't have to do this weird jankiness with Artifact. It, it's just in the yeah. game, right? We would have the the foresight to do, you know, best of three direct challenges. Like, why, why was that not even <laughs> on the, the plate? So with these numbers, I'm hoping that, you know, Wizards and Hasbro sees and they're like, okay, okay, you know, we need to actually drop millions more into the development of this to do all of the side things, right? Not just the core gameplay, which they're doing right now, but, you know, uh, how do you integrate spectator mode? How do you get uh, a tournament bracket set up, right? How do you, you know, do these things? And I hope uh, these numbers, like this this was a resounding success, I think, you know, despite all the limitations. I hope these numbers, uh, you know, get them to do it faster. Yeah, and... I, I think that also uh, another cool thing to come out of all of this was the amount of people from different games that played in it too. Uh, that it, like it, it just makes it so that, you know, I, I, I was like really excited to see what other minds from other games would bring to the game of magic. And now we kind of get to see that with all these streamers and all this other stuff too. Cause now you can just easily, hop on as you said to just play in a tournament right you could just hop on and maybe they make the client or some some kind of in-game tournament mode and just it's it's i don't have to fly to like you said ohio at randomly in the middle of no like you know in the, the winter and and like be cold <laughs> i don't know i think the thing is i don't have to go some random spot and i in, instead i could just do it from the comfort of my own home <laughs> i it's kind of baffling. It's kind of baffling. Every every big event is just like a hometown GP or Magic Fest. Yeah, and they can happen every weekend. They can happen, you know, if they actually open it up, it can happen from anyone, right? Today, for you to make your own SCG equivalent, 
it's a lot of investment, right? Like a lot of investment. So you only have the SEG circuit and you have the Grand Prix circuit or, you know, the official magic circuit. But now if we actually get the infrastructure, anyone, right? Like, you know, if you're a streamer with 50 people, you can make a tournament with your 50 subscribers, right? And mm -hmm. off to the races, right? So the possibilities are endless, you know, if they actually build this infrastructure. We're in the digital age now, everything is super fast. So hopefully, uh, this is the starting point. And in five years, we look back and we're like, haha, remember that time, Krim? You had to reroll 12 times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? <laughs> now I can start a tournament in 30 seconds and we're, we're off to the races. Right? And, I mean, it's worth mentioning they know how to do it because Magic Online does do it. Like, the, Magic Online does run tournaments in the same style of GPs. So even if they could, could <laughs> steal that aspect of Magic Online and sneak it onto Arena, the tournament aspects, I think that would, that would solve a huge percentage of the issues. I know another thing we ran into was uh, the rounds were untimed. That would be another thing that would be worth uh, adding to to the tournament mode uh, because we ran into some odd draw problems where we just kind of had someone manually keeping time and then after yep. like 50 minutes were up, they were just kind of like, alright, like how close are you to being done? Maybe I'll call it a draw. Maybe I'll give you a few more turns. So having an actual like round timer built in would also probably be pretty beneficial. Not for Magic Arena in general. I'm not saying you gotta do this for best of one tournaments or that stuff but for these type of tournaments in specific having a round timer would go a, a long way to making things run smoothly too yeah just having the like a natural like turns timer so once time's up like 50 minutes and then it goes turn zero one two three four five back and forth like you know what i mean like that 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 being built into the <laughs> what it's not like 10 rooms yeah, no, like, do <laughs> yeah like I, I think that would be I, that that's just something you know it's possible we're, it's weird to say that all this is possible now, so I'm excited. Yeah, uh, very, very sweet to see it happening, and I'm sure there's going to be more of this uh, in the next few months leading up to the big Invitational Tournament at the end of March uh, that Wizards is doing, which is their first big uh, foray into esports on Arena. So it's gonna, it's a very exciting time, and I'm excited to see what comes next. Anyway, I think it's time to wrap up with some fish mail, unless we have any more, any more Twitch thoughts before we get into it. All right. If you have questions, send them to at MTGGoldfish on Twitter with the hashtag MTGFishMail, and we'll get to your questions. So from Supopal's hypothetical question, all sets of magic disappear. You can only choose one block of magic to play and draft for the rest of time. Which block in magic's history do you choose? Ooh. Hmm. Uh, maybe just original Innistrad. Innistrad had really good standard, and it had good limited. I think if I had to do do one block, I might choose original Innistrad. Um, oh, but what was Innistrad block constructed like? Innistrad draft was Innistrad good. block constructed. <laughs> that was where Lingering Souls was I'm, banned, I'm assuming right? we keep the ban we, we list. We actually had block constructed still. I'm assuming we'd have to keep the ban list, because yeah, Lingering Souls was absolutely busted. I think that was the one time I got to like 1900 on constructed ratings in Moto was just playing plot <laughs> constructed lingering. So I, the cards were super expensive. Your dirty lingering souls abuser. <laughs> the, ca <laughs> the cards were really expensive. So no one would buy that, but I bought like Sorens on the first day and just absolutely, I was winning like 90% of the time or something. It was so sweet. And then eventually, like after a few days, people bought the cards and caught up and then it was over. Um, I, for me, I think. <laughs> I don't play too much limited, so I'm going to go off block constructed. And 
<laughs> you played more block constructed than yeah, limited? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, how is this possible? <laughs> I, I just like constructed so much more, and I'll take it in any form I have to. So, um, I'm thinking back to it. I, I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe either onslaught Theros. I mean, Theros had like prognostic Sphinx as a, f- a win condition and Ashiok. Richard, you know, I love my Ashiok. So, <laughs> <laughs> I. I don't know. I guess it'd be one of those, or maybe Lorwyn block. It's one of those three blocks. It's kind of hard to like think about because limited wise, I didn't really play any. Like I didn't play much limited then, but triple Innistrad was really fun to play in like limited, but not so much constructed. I, I haven't even played any of the blocks Krim mentioned aside from Innistrad. <laughs> I I. I Innistrad draft was really good. Triple Innistrad. I didn't like Dark Ascension as much. Triple Innistrad was really good though. But I, I've actually played Block Constructed because that's when I got back into Magic and I got duped into playing Block Constructed. It was okay. It was okay. Uh, Rune Chanter's Pike w- was pretty sweet, so that 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 was pretty good. So I think I'd go Innistrad too. But maybe m- maybe we just go like Alpha Beta. Maybe you just play Original. <laughs> Wouldn't that be sweet? (laughs) After watching the beta drafts, I'm not actually sure. (laughs) So many basic lands. You got to keep it for when you get off this island. You sell your collection. (laughs) Thinking of the value. Okay. All right. right. (laughs) No, but I think it'd be fun to play with the original cards as well. But maybe nostalgia will will fall off in like two days and you're like, why did I choose this? (laughs) We can... uh, We'll just do our own little silver showcase event. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. All right, Krim, you bring you bring the beta Got packs. Uh, I'll set up everything cool. else. All right. <laughs> All right, Jr. Delani. I'm looking to build a Wizards themed commander deck. Who would you recommend as a commander? Hashtag Team Panormonicon. Ooh, um, I think. It's 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 got to be Anala. It's like another Panharmonicon for Wizards from your command zone. So if you want to go Team Panharmonicon with Wizards, I think that's pretty much the only choice for Panharmonicon Wizards. All right, KC Metronome. I was hoping to pick up Snapcasters cheap, but it appears the price has actually risen since Ultimate Masters release. Is this normal? And should it drop in the coming weeks, or did I miss it already? So I think. There's there's a big question uh, right now of what's happening with Ultimate Masters. So the initial print run has pretty much gone dry. I've been calling around to like local game stores, uh, even like the big box stores near me are sold out of the packs they have. So the question is whether there's more to come, and I haven't gotten a solid answer of that. I've heard maybe, no, yes. So so that's the big question. I think the safest bet is just to pick up the cards you need now, because even if there is more to be released, like a second wave that's going to be coming, or more release from the distributors, uh, Snapcaster is going to go back up to $60, $80 eventually. So I think the safest play is to do that. The more risky line is to is to wait and see if they do release more, which would cause the price to come back down over the short term. But I I just haven't been able to find a definite answer on whether or not more is coming or not. Boxes-wise, in my area, we still have some, but, like, Target has tons of Ultimate Masters still. Hmm, interesting. Like, my area, I mean, they're going But they're not sold everywhere. by boxes. They're sold in the little, like, uh, like they're, like, these little sealed packs of three. You could buy, like... Th- yeah, the blister yeah. packs. But they have tons of it. 
Interesting. Well, it, I mean, maybe my area is, is more unique in that sense. I mean, if there's more that's coming, the price, I wouldn't worry too much about prices. So I guess I don't, this is a tough question to answer right now because I just don't know what the supply is going to be like. I mean, I would buy into it now. So we're we're, we're going to get a truck. We're going to go to Crim's Target. <laughs> road trip. We're, we're going to pick up all the Ultimate Masters and we're going to road trip to Seth's Target. <laughs> I will sell them back. <laughs> We're going to travel the states buying every bit of Ultimate Masters we can. <laughs> uh, this, is, this is an ingenious business idea. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up, Jamora's Gaming. Just listen to the podcast. If paper moves to best of one, what if you draw two seven-card hands, keep one, and shuffle the other into your library? Then if you mulligan, draw two six-card hands, et cetera, et cetera. I think there's a, a very slight to no chance that paper goes to best of one. Yeah. That wasn't the answer I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> what if it does go to best of one, though? Would this would this work? It, it's still different from the arena one, right? Because cards <laughs> you draw in your first hand can't appear in your second hand, right? So it kind of messes with the ratios of everything. But you do get more options i mean right like it's more options than normal i think it's actually from i think there's a misunderstanding about how the arena shuffler works in best of one uh the impression i had and i've seen a lot of people have is that it automatically gives you the better hand but apparently from what wizards has been saying it like trends towards giving you the better hand so it still sometimes gives you the worst hand when it feels like it some percentage of the time so i feel like just drawing two hands and choosing the best one uh would be even more powerful than what we have on arena right now i is that bad (laughs) to be more powerful i still think it could be broken like maybe i i don't know maybe it's fine for just standard Maybe there's not enough combo decks or decks that can really, really do it, the like, benefit severely from it. I mean, it, in other formats, it would be incredibly busted, because you basically have the equivalent of, uh, like, a serum powder in every opening hand, which would be insane. Uh, but you don't, though, right? Because if the card you need is in one hand, then... It's not in the second hand, so that second hand is actually just garbage. But you're playing right? four, so it, four of everything, though. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's true. I guess that's true. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think we'll see more rule changes to support, to make Best of One more competitive. They've already kind of suggested that on one of the dev streams for Arena. But I'm just hoping that that they treat Arena as a separate thing and it doesn't cross over into paper. Because it seems like a lot of, to mimic the Arena system in paper, that's more shuffling, that's more card drawing, that's more... It seems like it would be a lot of hassle to do that every single game of Magic you play. Yeah. So speaking of paper bleeding into digital and vice versa, conspiracy theorists, I've heard, Seth, I think you were talking about this, uh, the riot mechanic is not a trigger. Uh, you enter with a plus one, plus one counter or haste, and you thought this might be to ease the digital experience uh that's what i was thinking although i might just be wrong about that because someone pointed out that unleash actually works in a similar way where it either enters with a plus one plus one counter and can't block or it just enters normally so i might be reading too much into it although wizards has been very upfront about trying to format things in a way to make it run smoother in digital form so i wouldn't be surprised like if that was a tiebreaker that maybe that would play into it because if you compare it to something like night of autumn where you it goes into 
play, you put a trigger on the stack, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, this does avoid one one more trigger going on the stack. So it seems so like a good thing, though, in general. Takali Honor Guard does not shut it down. It does not. Yeah. Man. But I think this templating is just more intuitive. Is it? Like, because if you think of it as a new player, you're like, it's a 4-4, four, four, but you're like, how come you can lightning bolt it at some point and, and kill it? You know what I mean? Like, it's not as intuitive for a new player looking at this. It right? makes Panharmonicon worse, though, so just like... <laughs> <laughs> it does. It does. But, but I do think it is... This is the clearer mechanic. Like, I, I don't think you want, like, crazy stack interactions. I think you want to avoid the stack where it's not relevant. And something like Riot... It's like it's coming down as a four four, and to bolt it in the middle is a bit awkward. So I, I don't, I don't know that. Yeah, I mean, in all honesty, the, yeah. if it is because of arena, these are the kind of concessions for digital that are probably actually a good thing. Uh, there's some concessions for digital that make me a little bit nervous if they go too far, but this type of thing, like even as someone who loves Panharmonicon more than just about anything except Blood Moon, uh, I- I'm even okay with this kind of change because it probably does actually make the game better. Uh, it's going to be the other way around, Seth. Concessions for paper. <laughs> <laughs> Next, you're going to have Recruit and Discover and all of those Hearthstone mechanics coming in. Oh, my in. goodness. Oh. <laughs> and you're like, how do you do this in paper? It's like, we got it. We already have, like, three-sided cards. We'll add, like, a five-sided card. And- <laughs> Because if you think about it, you have like split cards, you have meld cards, you have face down cards, you have morph cards. It's like all these weird things to get around cardboard. Whereas if it was digital, you wouldn't you wouldn't have to be flipping cards up and down, right? You could just make it hidden and then reveal it when you uh, need, right? Yeah. Although, like, really, Magic already has a lot of variants because of our our mana system. So I don't know, like, the mechanics that make sense in Hearthstone. I don't know if I want them to make sense in Magic because a lot of them just add more variants, and we already play a game that's pretty high variance compared to Hearthstone just because of the resource system. I am so waiting for tribal random cards. Like, <laughs> it's a one mana, one one Minotaur, and when it dies, <laughs> randomly play a random Minotaur from your deck. <laughs> <laughs> like, I would totally be all over that. But How would you, know, you do randomly I play a Minotaur from your <laughs> so, deck? <laughs> yeah, that's like a harsh... Like, so Magic does it by look at the top six cards and take something and put it into play that's the magic equivalent okay yeah. so the magic way would be right? like so top six that, put a minotaur into play yeah but i want magic to just straight up be able you know magic arena should just fetch a minotaur out of my deck and s- stick it into play right and then you can complain about rg why not the 2020 minotaur why the zero one minotaur but. sounds like what are you, you talking about more. i just wouldn't hit so any fun. minotaurs <laughs> <laughs> that, that that's the collected company oh yep. uh, <laughs> and the turn coco you know. nothing here you go <laughs> you need to play but how long till Wizards lets you just search your entire deck and just, you know, your opponent randomly chooses one? Kind of like him to Torok, right? Never, <laughs> like, never. Kind of on all the cards in your deck. Uh, just roll a 20-sided <laughs> die and, like, choose a random card from it and slap it into play. <laughs> just play Molnir. Lay down your play. hand. This card is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. <laughs> Uh, it's so fun. And then you're like, okay, then this card is the one you keep. This one's the one you discard. It's when you play with new players, that have, they're like, what is going on? Can I just point? I'm like, yeah, point. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to make them roll the die. Look, <laughs> I'm going to make them roll the die. Yeah, yeah that, sorry, that's not random. Yeah. This, this cannot be. <laughs> oh, please no. Uh, all right, so also on the topic of Arena. So what if Arena, so from Flavor Text Daily, what if Arena had a free mulligan for the person that lost the die roll in best of one. 
That's so if you're losing the die roll, you get an extra. That's way too to uh, make risky up for, for for my tastes. It might be too much. I think I do think that something eventually will be done to make being on the play less of an advantage. But a free mulligan uh, that might that might just be going too far. Yeah. Then then because if you if you're offering me a free mulligan, I'd rather go second because I draw a card too, right? Yeah. Is that true, though? Is that yeah. True? I, I best of one? In best of one, I would. I've heard from people that have played, like, 2,000 games that they found it to be, like, 60-40 for the person on the play in best of one. And obviously, uh, this doesn't account for decks and whatnot, so take it with a grain of salt. But if it's really that big of a swing to win the die roll, maybe a free mulligan, like... Is a free mulligan 20 points? Is, like, how, how big of an advantage does that give you? Maybe that would actually just make it even. Yeah, I think that might actually... Like, it sounds bad, but also being on the play is a big advantage. But I, I don't know if you could game this. But even if you can game this, that's fine, right? Because you would... It's like today, everyone chooses to be on the play, right? If being on the draw is better, then everyone would try to be on the draw. Yeah. Right? And it kind of, like... I balances itself out, so I don't know. I mean, my decks are all dirtily anyways, so <laughs> you know, like I may as well try to get the the best hand that I can to find like w- with the best answers I can get. All right. So last question, Sebastian Tans. Due to Wizards' number of different styles of printing cards, nobody seems excited about Judge promos anymore. So my idea is they start making more Judge promos commander related, since there are a lot of popular commanders. Hmm. A lot of judge promos. I was going to say that cards, it seems though. like whenever I see a new judge promo, at least one of the two cards is a card. I'm like, oh, okay, that's like a first time foil for commander or something. So I think they might already kind of do that. Yeah, but I do get the point that no one really cares about judge promos anymore. <laughs> they used to be the only way we got like random reprints, but now with like all the supplemental products, all the master set, uh, box toppers, masterpieces, like we have all kinds of ways to get. Uh, reprints of cards, so judge promos are not as special as they used to be. That is I'm, that is true. I'm still owed from a uh, ton of judge promos from when I was a judge. <laughs> like, you're a judge? Yeah, I know. Believe it or not, I lapsed by now, but like, <laughs> I, I think I'm like owed like three waves and I've just never gotten them, so... <laughs> I'm not excited for judge promos because I can't be. I don't have any. <laughs> what 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 level did you get to, Krim? I was on my way pushing to L two, and then and then I was like, or I can just keep playing Magic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's probably more fun. All than right, judging. now now that we know this, the comments can be super harsh whenever you get a rules problem uh question that's wrong. exactly that, 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 that's my life everyone's like dude you're a judge i'm like yeah but i haven't done it in like two years <laughs> i don't know how to explain layers you're the to judge you. where people instantly ask for a for an appeal and get the head judge over <laughs> grim's like no it's right trust me <laughs> like but, that, but i'm serious like like a lot of the questions like be, being a judge were, were like you know like oh can you explain layers no <laughs> I'm not going to explain layers to you. <laughs> what if humility, X, Y, and Z, and then uh, ar- like Arbor Elf, you know, or not Arbor Elf, Arbor Dryad is on the board. No, I'm not answering that. <laughs> what What kind of judge are you? <laughs> a bad one, which is why I'm not a judge. It's <laughs> like, oh. so what is summoning sickness? I got it. I got this I got one. It. I can explain summoning sickness to Take you. Take a step back. I got this one. L1 coming through here. 
Uh, all right, that's all our fish meal for this week. Thank you to everyone who sent them in. If you have questions, send them to at MTGGoldfish with the hashtag MDGFishMail. Oh my goodness. And I think that brings us to the end of episode 203 of the Goldfish Podcast. So Richard Crab, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Have a wonderful holidays this week. Uh, we'll be back next week to uh, talk some more magic. Maybe we'll get some more sneaky Ravnica Legion spoilers. And uh, one last time, shout out to SpikesAcademy.com for supporting the show. Check them out at SpikesAcademy.com. Um, get 10% off with a cold goldfish. So until then, have a wonderful holiday, everyone. And this is the crew signing out. <laughs>